Welcome to Football Neophytes Podcast. This week, Wolves free-falling. Manchester United is number one. There's a tight race at the almost halfway point. Are we forgetting about Leicester, though? Do they have a chance? Kyle uh, focuses on title favorite, Manchester City. We're going to talk about social distance celebrations and a little hint at the FA Cup coming up. Gentlemen, what's up? We had a little break. A lot of lot of uh, football to watch. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Break couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, glad we didn't have to record last week because that wasn't happening. But uh, yeah, doing good. Looking at the table. I like how it looks right now. Kyle, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's good to be back. More importantly, good to have you back. Strong and healthy. Recovering. Uh, yeah, let's let's leave the strong and healthy out of it right now. Let's just say recovering still, because I still feel like I've got a ways to go. Yeah, I think I don't know if Fair we enough. I don't know if you mentioned it the last time we we're recording. I don't know if you mentioned it in recording or only in pre-recording, but there was <laughs> there was this hint that maybe you had COVID going into our recording, and sure enough. Yep. Yeah, I found out the day after we recorded that pod, and it was weird because like at the I didn't think I had it. At the time, I didn't think I had it. Um, I knew a family member of mine was positive and I had been around them, but like, I was like, oh man, I just feel like I have a cold. And so I just had very minor symptoms and tests came back positive. And like 24 hours after the test came back positive, it kicked the crap out of me. I did not get the cool COVID where you're just like sneezing and sniffling for a few days. And then you're like, oh, I'm better. I got the down and out, maybe should have gone to the hospital COVID. Um, but luckily I'm stubborn and I'm cheap and I wasn't going to the hospital and I'm still alive and I'm here and ready to record now. There we go. Well, we're glad, we're glad you made it through, um, <laughs> for more ways, for more reasons than just to record. <laughs> um, Thank you. We're going to start with wolves. Cause I just want to keep it short. Um, wolves sit at 14th in the table. Um, Two more just rough losses. Obviously, um, Everton feels like a distant memory with with the West Brom, our our derby, um, the team we hate. Like Villa is one one thing, and uh, but but West Brom are really really the team that Wolves fans hate. And I think if I can take one positive out of uh, Wolves losing to West Brom, and that is that I have no internal natural hatred for this team. The only reason I don't like West Brom is because that's what Wolves fans tell me, right? Is like, this is our rival. We hate West Brom. So going into this match, in some ways, I think if we would have won, they would have been just like any other club. So in some ways it was, if I can take a positive out of it, it's that, um, it causes me to hate them and and I do and wolves yeah wolves are a mess um 
I'm not going to talk about the matches at all. I don't know if there's really anything notable. Um, there's one thing. Fabio Silva got his first goal, which is which is helpful. Um, Chris, you want to talk about something? Yeah, yeah. Um, my only question, because I, I didn't see the match. I didn't even know you guys were rivals with Les Brown. Um, you know, that's the beauty of the neophyte. Um, but you guys had a, a controversial VAR situation that game, didn't you? Where you guys probably should have been awarded a PK on a handball in the box but weren't i saw pictures of like the defender with his like hands like kind of protecting his chest was that in that game yeah or we... okay yeah, his hands were more like open to like catch the ball in them <laughs> but yeah but i don't know I, I i read a little more about it beforehand so there's a couple of factors that go into it uh fabio silva uh like fouls we'll just say it he fouls the keeper like before the ball even comes down so there's some speculation that var looked at it and is like well we're not going to call a handball because there was a, a penalty before it um so i mean clearly it's a to me it's a handball the ball's coming down his hands are in an unnatural position <clears throat> right the ball falls like right into them so i I mean, I don't know at the time. Yeah. It was super frustrating, you know, but you don't, you don't see everything on the play, but it looked like a penalty. And especially after having just been like West Brom, just having been awarded a penalty um, that looks like it's outside the box, but because his right foot was on the box was on the line, it's considered in the box. I mean, there's some, there's some weird rules there. And again, I don't want to dive too far into them, but um yeah i mean wolves are a better team than west brom like so you you should be better if you're better than a team you shouldn't be fouling them in the box twice and you shouldn't be like losing matches because of like questionable bar decisions and so you know and again if wolf if wolves were fifth right now playing great and you lose a match like this you might be more frustrated about that but i think if you're a sensible wolves fan you realize like there are bigger issues going on and like some penalties aren't going to be what turn your season around and so and that's kind of what i wanted to touch on just really quick is some of the most concerning things to me are nuno looks just dejected like He's a jolly, like intense, like fun. He seems to be rather fun loving, like on the standing on the sidelines, like active manager. I've seen him sitting a lot. He looks dejected. He hasn't, I've, I've read that he hasn't seen his family in like a year because of travel ban stuff. His family's in Portugal. Um, so it just seems like you know, he's, he's kind of broken. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, it's hard to really know what's going on in the inner man, right. From TV and stuff, but, but he seems, he seems to be messed up. So there was a, the moment in the match that to me was like, Oh shit, there are big issues going on here is he pulled out Cody, our captain in his entire tenure at wolves he has never removed cody from a game <laughs> cody is our mainstay he's our captain 
he had, I think he has the second longest consecutive minutes played that just ended this season when he got injured. Um, Cody, he, Nuno doesn't take Cody out of games. And when he, when he substituted him off, that was like a warning sign to me, like, okay, there's, there's something else going on. And I think Nuno just, here's a little term for you, lost the plot. That's, that's a soccer term. Um, lost mm. the plot like he's he doesn't have maybe a plan or his plan's not working so now he's getting desperate and and making big changes and so or you could say he watched the plot of Ted Lasso and pulled <laughs> the captain and thought that that would rally the team and turn Wolf's season around Ooh, he watched the plot there it is maybe well, it didn't. And we, still, we still lost. It didn't. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I there's a lot well, of like, Nate. I asked you this. Uh, I asked you a few weeks ago. You know, if you were worried about them slipping far enough down into the bottom three, they're still they still got about a ten point cushion. Are you? Is there any part of you that's worried at this point? Not, not really. I think that's the bottom three are so bad, particularly the bottom two. And that is a pretty big cushion. It's the same way. Like if you're Arsenal right now, right? Like Arsenal's playing great. They're moving up the table. They're still, it's still going to be a huge uphill battle to get top seven because there's just so many teams between them. It's kind of the same with wolves going down. There's just a lot of teams between them. And uh, is it possible? Of course, but um, I, th- I think there's too much talent on there <laughs> and there's too much, there's too much below them. That's, that's bad. Certainly anything can happen. You know, it's psychologically, I'm sure the team's like struggling and it's gotta be hard to know you, you've got a good team and, um, last thing on Wolves before we move on to, to Manchester is um, just thinking about like Wolves have have had five have earned five points in nine matches since Raul's injury, not including the victory over Arsenal. So five points in nine matches. That's that's relegation type play. So certainly if they continue at that pace, yeah, they probably won't get another 18 points the way the rest of the season you might not get 10. And I say 18 because 40, uh, I've mentioned this in the past, but 40 is kind of the magic number to avoid regu- re- uh, relegation. So, but <clears throat> the thing that I, I keep coming back to is I wonder, you, you can't like, wonder like what the season would be like with Raul. But what I do wonder is Nuno made this switch to a more attacking style setup with four at the back. Um, And I just wonder like if he should have, when he lost Raul, if he should have just reverted back to a back, back three or back five with the wing backs and played a more defensive counter-attacking style and just say we don't have like the centerpiece of my new attacking style so if we want to score more points and finish top a table i think he should do that i think if 
if he's got the trust of the board and the ownership group to say you're you're safe like unless we get relegated your job safe continue like fine tuning i would prefer him to continue fine tuning this style until we can get raul back but who knows i mean there's just so many problems it kind of and as a as a fan without a lot of history i'm just kind of like well I don't know what the best course of action is because then you've got like potentially you've got the superstar players on your team who may not want to stay. If they know you're a bottom half, you know, bottom table team, they want might want to jump to bigger, bigger teams. So that's the fear of finishing bottom half is that you're going to lose your best, your best players in the summer. So we'll see, but enough about wolves. I think I think maybe one more thing about wolves um, to put a bow on it. Put a um, bow. I, I think maybe we need like a weekly check in, kind of what Kyle was getting at, like your worry level. So you know mm. how I love scales. So yeah. let let's put this on a scale right now. Your worry level for wolves being relegated scale is one to ten, with one being I'm not worried at all, and ten, time to get my Champions League ready. It's probably it's probably a three right now. Okay. Three. I'm not that worried, but I'm certainly not like confident. All right. I like it. I'll take it. What's your worry level between one and ten of, of Manchester United being relegated? Well, luckily, and it goes into the reasoning for choosing them in the first place, it's a one. And it's probably gonna be a one forever Uh, that's just the benefit of choosing a big six club that is probably a big two or three club so uh that's the benefit of that they're playing well right now um i wouldn't say they're playing great they're playing well they're sitting on top of the table i look at the table and i I get scared because of what city's doing right now yeah and i know we've got two matches against them still in the future uh, of this season. Didn't didn't you already have the Manchester Derby? No, we played Manchester in the semifinals of the Caribou Cup. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, so we still have our two Premier League matches with them coming, Uh, which is good because I am absolutely terrified of City running away with the season. Yeah. I know we've talked about it off air and in text, and uh, all of us are for a race. I don't, I, and I'll be honest, I want Manchester United in that race. I just want to race. And I don't care if that's City Liverpool, City United, City Leicester. I don't care who's in that race. I want to race because it's been so boring the last two seasons of following this, where we knew who was going to win the championship uh, trophy before, you know, with like nine games left. Yeah. I mean, last year we knew who was going to win. Without they before they even came back from, you know the the break and the and the restart. I mean Liverpool was so dominant all season, and then the stoppage. You it was just like a, well it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know let's if you're a fan of a club, it was trying to get in the top four, top seven to to get those cup games that you can get. Um, but we knew Liverpool was going to hoist the trophy. It was just a matter of time. Yeah. And so, man, do I want a race so badly. Yeah. And I, I am certainly happy that United sits up top. 
Uh, looking at their last two games, they had a one nothing win over Burnley, which is good. Um, you know, Burnley Burnley likes to lock it down, and they're for some teams they're a real challenge, and for others they're not. But for United, they're just a challenging team in the way they play. I think it's because United's best attack is a counterattack, yep. and with Burnley not really trying to move forward a ton, um, they really just try and lock it down it's hard for United to play against them because they're trying to, they're trying to counter. And when a team doesn't want to move forward to give you the opportunity to counter, you get a whole lot of nothing. And so uh, Pogba, Pogba got the winner there. He had a beautiful strike to win the game. Um, you know, it's funny because he's playing a lot better than he has in the past year and a half. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's fun to see Pogba doing that stuff. And then the big match on Sunday um, nil, nil draw, I, which if you know me, you, you know, I hate nil, nil draws. I'd actually rather lose a match one, nothing or two, nothing or three, one than a nil, nil draw. I just, I can't stand it. I can't, I can't get behind it, but I take the one point at, at Anfield. Um, you know, they haven't lost there in like two and a half years or something. Yeah. Second um, longest streak in premier league history. I think yeah, it's crazy. 68 it's, it's, matches in a row. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you have United, who's the best road team in the league, and you have Liverpool, who's the best home team in the league. And I guess what you get is a zero zero draw. Um, looking at it realistically, Liverpool dominated the ball. They had a, they, I didn't, I didn't look at final stats and things like that. I don't need to look at those to know that Liverpool dominated time of possession. Um, I think United probably made a late comeback to make it look a little bit more reasonable in the last half hour they they started pressing a whole lot more moving up but it doesn't change the fact that pool dominated that that ball they had they um they just really controlled controlled the clock controlled the ball but they didn't really ever have any great scoring chances there were there were a few opportunities in the box but the united defense played really well um which i was pleasantly surprised at uh, Harry Maguire had a great game. Lindelof had a great game, which, you know, pregame they talked about how they probably should have been starting Eric Baye over Lindelof with how good he's looked lately. But Lindelof played really well. He had some really big clearances that, that saved him. And at, at the end of the day, United actually probably, United actually had the better scoring opportunities. Um, Bruno could have had two goals. He just missed on a PK outside the, or not a PK, sorry, a, uh, um, a free kick outside yep. the box. And then um, on a really beautiful play in, uh, he had the ball almost by himself right in front of the net that he just tries to tap in. And Allison, who played a great game, makes a great save on the kick save. Um, Allison was awesome in that game. If they don't have him, um, United probably does win that game because they did have those better opportunities to score. Um, but Allison played like the best keeper in the world that day. And so it was zero, zero, you take the point at Anfield and you're happy with it, even though I hate the nil, nil. Totally. I mean, and that's, what's amazing about, about Liverpool right now is their form hasn't been great, but they also have two midfielders who are playing, uh, in the back. <laughs> for them right now so uh Fabino and Henderson are both midfielders and they they've had because of all their injuries they've had to play play in that back line so um Liverpool though three points in their last four matches 
and only one goal in those last four matches. So the defense is, I believe they they actually haven't scored in their last three games. I I'm pretty sure that one goal came four games ago. That's right. So, so their issues surprisingly, even with players playing out of position has been on the attack. So Liverpool, obviously that, that wasn't their issue. That hasn't been their issue, but if Liverpool doesn't score, I mean, that's, this is very uncharacteristic of uh, Jurgen Klopp squad. So if they don't score, they can't win the league. I mean, obviously it goes without saying, but, but Liverpool by design should be scoring two or three. They're not quite <laughs> as pro they're not as quite as prolific as, as man Manchester city has been. Um, but they've all, but Liverpool's also been better defensively over the last couple of seasons than, than Manchester city. So um, yeah, Liverpool, obviously like there's gotta be a little worry. They've dropped to fourth now, um, which is surprising, but that's what happens when you don't get three points at a time, right? The, the draws, the draws will kill you in a title race. So. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's weird because the injuries for Liverpool have mostly been on the defensive side. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, you know, you, they still run Mane and Salah out there up front, which are like two terrifying guys. Yeah. But, you know, and just, just in the United game, the United defenders really locked them up really well. And it's, so it's, it, it is really surprising to see Liverpool not score it totally. because they still have that firepower up front. <laughs> And that's where if I'm a Liverpool fan, where I'm starting to worry because, like, with the rash of injuries they had, you can understand play dropping. But it, you thought it would always be on the defensive side where it was like, okay, well, maybe now they're going give, to give up goals. And it's they haven't really fallen apart defensively. They just can't score right now, which is super strange with the firepower they have. Yeah, and Tiago is back, and he's been playing really well for them. And it'll be interesting to see, like with him playing well, you would assume that that'll unlock the midfield even more, which then would lead to some more scoring. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Soon. For sure. And and looking on the fun side, you know, there's the big match of the week that Sunday one versus two. Um, they're running it back on Sunday in the uh, FA Cup. So Liverpool versus Man United is going to happen again on Sunday. Uh, tune in and we'll see what squads they actually put out there for those games, but they get to do it all over again within seven days. Yeah, Wolves and Manchester United were on the complete opposite sides of the FA Cup draw. Manchester United got the most difficult team to play and Wolves got Chorley. Chorley, I think they're a sixth tier club. And this is the magic of the FA Cup. I think I sent you that link about Marine. Marine played Tottenham. Uh, They're an eighth tier club and they played at Marine. And that's actually what a a lot of Wolves fans are just like so sad because Stu, shout out to Stu. Um, He's, he's been to, I don't remember just a ton of different, uh, stadiums all over the country and Chorley's one he's never seen a Wolves seen Wolves play at so this would have been a year to see a match and he's he's bummed about that so yeah Wolves have six tier Chorley which for Wolves I mean the the best thing about their situation right now is 
they played on Saturday and they don't have another premier league match until next Wednesday. So basically 10 full days without a premier league match. And then their one match is Friday against Chorley in the FA cup. And so they've had a lot of injuries, which again, you don't want to blame injuries, but wolves have had a rash of injuries come through, which I also think affects their, their, their play. It's been hard to put out a consistent lineup, but um, hopefully get some of those, get the squad healthy, have, you know, obviously anything can happen in the FA cup, but hopefully be able to get a good win at Chorley and then come back around and, and get a good, good, a good, uh, rest and start playing better. So. Hey, what do some of these bigger clubs with these big time stars do when they go to a place like Chorley or Marine FC in terms of locker rooms, um, field conditions, pregame, postgame hotels, I can't imagine, you know, Paul Pogba changing in. I'm just envisioning like a junior high locker room with those cheap metal lockers, you know, that are about a foot wide and for some reason, 10 feet tall, like nothing fits in those things, but that they haven't, you know, they're just, they're in every junior high. So what do they do? I mean, like, do they do that whole thing or do they just, find the nearest five-star hotel and drive from there. Do you guys have any idea? I have no idea. That's such a good question. I mean, it's such, such like, you guys know this, obviously it's such an interesting setup, right? And it's really cool. I joked with you guys, if they had, I don't know how many tiers of baseball they would need to where I could make a eighth <laughs> tier team, but it's a really neat idea. I just wonder how you do it when you get some of these prima donna stars trying to, play at a YMCA field. I mean, you'd have to imagine. Yeah. It's probably like the equivalent of maybe Arizona league. I don't think that's even eight tiers deep, right? Like yeah. it's maybe independent league. It'd be an independent yeah. team yeah. playing against yeah. the league squad. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do for that, but the, I don't know if you guys caught any of the Marine Tottenham match, but it was wild to watch. I mean, the, the pitch was right next to this housing development. So there's people watching from their upstairs windows. There was guys holding bottles of wine, just standing at the <laughs> fence, watching Harry Kane and son. And like, wow. And they only had like one stand, like one bank of stand on, on one side. And then it was just open chain link fencing all the way around it. It was, it was wild. That's amazing. Kyle, you focused on on Manchester City, right? I did. I watched their match versus Brighton, and it was great. Uh, first of all, I saw something that I had never seen before. So near their own goal, a Brighton defender made this sliding play on the ball to try and play the ball back to his own goalkeeper. Okay, so he was near his own goalkeeper, near his own goal. And as an effort to keep the ball away from Man City, tried to play it back to his own keeper. The keeper then caught the ball. Which I'm sure you got. Which I had, I don't know if I knew or not, but that's a no-no. And so if if your own defender plays it back to you, you can't use your hands in that situation. The keeper did. Here's the thing. thing. I'll I'll explain what happened. Okay, okay. 
if you kick it to the keeper, he has to use his feet. If you, okay. use, if you use your head or your chest, you can head or chest it to the keeper uh, and okay. they can use their hands. Okay. <clears throat> So, Got just, it. That's, so I, that's the caveat because you'll see that eventually and you'll be like, wait, I thought you couldn't pick it up if your player passed yep. it to you, but it's only if it's your feet. So I was vaguely aware of that rule. That's actually not yet what I'm talking about. What, what, I, what I had never seen before and didn't even know that this was possible happened next. So because of that, they awarded Man City a penalty, but they gave them they did not give them a penalty kick from the oh the normal PK. spot yeah the pk spot they gave them a penalty from closer in than the pk spot what but it was kind of to the side it was like is it where the where the foul occurred yes it is where the defender kicked the ball which was closer to the goal so could they set up a wall yes so all 20 defenders or, or whatever it was all like 20 people non-goalies were within like 15 feet of one another setting up a wall one guy as they went up to do this free kick ran sort of at the guy who was doing the free kick for man city and he actually deflected the ball so they didn't even get a good attempt on this which maybe makes sense because there was 20 people between the free kick and the goal. It was, it was insane. I had never seen it before, but I've never seen really it. Either. So um, that was really neat. And like I said, didn't even result in a very good attempt. Uh, it was just too crowded in there, but man city, you know, uh, one of the things that just stood out that I had to call out was uh, you guys know, I have a man crush on Kevin De Bruyne. And he had about five or six passes in this game that just were incredible. They, they couldn't convert any of them, but he is just so good at passing and renewed my love for him. He's so good. And um, eventually Man City did take a one nothing lead on a beautiful goal by Foden. Um, you know, from there, they missed some more opportunities off the post. Uh, missed the penalty late. Sterling just kind of shot it over the, the goal. And all that to be said, Brighton did not play that poorly in this game. But I think the, the takeaway here was Man City played not very well for Man City and still came away with three points, which I think speaks to just how well this team is playing and just how dominant they are to really not even be threatened in a game that they didn't necessarily play their best in and that Brighton didn't make too many mistakes in either. So very, very impressive by Man City. And that should be no surprise, right? Because they're at the top of the table. They're dominant. And I think the question is, how long can they keep, you know, maybe it's not even a question that they're going to keep this up for a while. It looks like. Yeah. It seems that way. And especially with the next three or four opponents, I think we already talked about that, but yeah, they, there's a good chance that they'll have 12 points in their next four matches. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And so, 
not yeah, to ahead, uh, be a total neophyte here because I didn't see this game. And so you explaining that the handball, <laughs> I had to find it. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm dying laughing watching. It is insane. Uh, it, De Bruyne takes the, the free kick from, it's like, it's almost where the PK is, but like 10 yards to the left of it. The the wall is is probably two yards in front of the goal, and the keeper's out in front of the wall, <laughs> diving as like De Bruyne kicks this. A defender does come running in and just sticks his leg out and catch. It's insane. It's the best thing I've ever seen. This is awesome. I, I got to watch it. I miss, I miss that too. I didn't see it. Oh my gosh. It, it happened at the 29 minute mark of the match. So if you're looking for, for highlights, it's at the 29 minute mark of the match. Yeah. And, and I think what the goalie thought was that De Bruyne makes a really nice pass in and his defender makes a sliding diving kick and it hits off his foot and rolls to to the keeper. I think either the goal the goalie maybe thought that it went off the defender and he just had a bad touch on it, or he just totally forgot the rules because he just picked <laughs> it up. He doesn't even like he doesn't play it with his feet first at all. He just picks it up. And so, dude, it's awesome. I'm dying. This oh, is awesome. I'll check it sorry. out. Sorry for jumping in there. No, it's good. No, it's it's worth it. Like I said, it was pretty amazing to watch and definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it so far. All right, so on to the Golden Boots from Man City. Lots of positives here. Uh, we'll start with infrastructure. You know, the, the worst thing I could say about them in terms of infrastructure is that somewhat surprisingly, as recently as 1998, they were in the third division. So... Yeah not too long ago within 25 years we're really struggling as a as an organization that obviously changed dramatically when they got new ownership right and the the royal family the prince from abu dhabi came in bought them put in a lot of money invested heavily in them and i will say not only one thing that i think is is interesting not only invested heavily in man city although that is the flagship if you will of his investment group but they have investments in lots of different soccer clubs around the globe including one in the mls and so they're very very heavily you know invested in soccer as a sport and i think that that if you're looking at infrastructure and is this going to last and is this going to be a group that just comes in with new money and fades i don't think it is i think that they're in it for the long yeah. run i think NYCFC, right, is their, their yes. club, which is smart, yep. right, if you think about it from a strategy standpoint. I mean, they've got some branding. I yeah. think they're, they have some similar colors. I don't know what other clubs they have, but even as you think about, like, a, it's almost like creating a minor league system, right, where you can evaluate yeah. players that are within this ownership group that you could potentially then make easier transfers I don't know what the rules are. So we're getting into some of that financial fair play and I don't know what transfer rules there are, but um, yeah. Hmm. Well, you know what that just made me think of is one of the, and again, there are rules, there are lots of logistical reasons. There are lots of egotistical reasons and ownership reasons. This wouldn't happen, but that one of my biggest things about watching international soccer, right. Is 
how just how many there are so many different clubs owned by so many different people and so many different leagues and you just saying that uh, of how that could you could really kind of almost make it a minor leagues or or just kind of have some con- congruity between the different teams what if there were like 30 owners and they all owned a team in like eight the eight top divi- leagues around the world and you know you kind of just truly rooted for that club that happened to be in your country so i mean that's how i do it for baseball right like i root for the Giants teams through their their the division the leagues not that i'm watching a lot of minor league baseball right now but uh, (laughs) yeah there's a million reasons it'll it'll never happen but it's an interesting idea and i guess in some ways that's the youth system for them right is yeah they do have those tiers of players but it's you know they're u23 they're u18 they're youth program so it does exist just in a different form for sure yeah so strong ownership group strong coach obviously we all know pep um so a lot to like about their infrastructure not only in the near term but i think in the long term as well so four golden boots for that the uh maybe could have been five but i gave him four um and well deserved culture uh there's a lot here that I was really impressed with as well. And so a couple of things to note, they have a really strong song that they sing. Um, it's a song that we all probably know, Blue Moon, right? Blue Moon, uh, I saw you stand in a look, that one. And it's good, man. They chant it. And it works because obviously their colors are blue. It sounds really good. Um, so that was really cool to watch some YouTube videos. Unfortunately, I had to watch the YouTube videos and not the match of yeah. them singing that. But uh, it was really great. They have a, a fan base that has apparently a pretty good sense of humor. They refer to themselves often as typical city, which is sort of speaks to their unpredictability like oh that's just typical city and um a couple examples of that of them just being unpredictable um is the couple things that are interesting one they're the only reigning english champ to be relegated the following year so and that was in 1938 they they won the english championship and then were relegated the following year they're the only team to score and concede a hundred goals in the same season, 1957. That's amazing. So then you would say, Oh, a typical city, right? That's so crazy. Of course it's us. Uh, and then more recently in 2005, they were the only team to beat Chelsea in the 2004, 2005 premier league. Chelsea only lost one time that year, which I thought was crazy. And then they, so they were the only team to beat Chelsea and then they went on and lost in the FA Cup to a Division Three team, Oldham Athletic. And so typical city, they, they just, they're all over the map, right? And so um, their fan base actually kind of embraces that. They have some other really cool traditions, um, but like I said, really just a good sense of humor about themselves, seem to really uh, love their club, which is no surprise. But my question here is for Chris. So city fans like to say that city fans live in Manchester 
and United fans live in Phoenix, Arizona. So do you, what is your thoughts on city versus United fans? Yeah. Um, okay. So looking at it from the outside, I would say city fans, it's like, kind of like grow up and get realistic. Like <laughs> you guys spend as much, if not more than any club in the world. And so like, stop playing yourself as like, oh, we're the more humble, meek team in Manchester. Like you guys are a global <laughs> dominant teams. Like you guys had sanctions come down against you for unfair uh, financial play rules. And we learned last year, just break those rules because there's really no consequences. Um, you know, I mean, they had these restrictions put on them and then they basically got taken away and they just had to pay some money. Yep. And so from the outside looking in, that's how I look at Manchester City. I just kind of go like, oh, okay, yeah, you guys are the small club in Manchester. Oh, we're the humble club in Manchester. Um, one of my things when I was looking at at picking Manchester United and and t when Nate and I had the guest on and one of my questions was is like does it bother you that you guys are the easy team to pick that these celebrities just kind of flock to this team and, and it may not be as much as it used to be um but it's still like you know if you have like a musician who's like I'm gonna get into soccer tomorrow there's a, there's a high probability or a chance that they're going to choose Manchester United based on history and, um, you know, the things that I chose. Like, I wanted to root for a winner. I was tired of rooting for these losing teams in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I wanted the excitement of a chase for a championship. And so um, I get it, and I totally understand looking at United and looking at their fan base and just being like, you know, a bunch of yuppies or like, yeah, the celebrities fall in line there. And like, I, I totally understand that. That's part of like choosing them. Um, it, it, pay, it played a big factor for me choosing them. And two of my favorite celebrities are United fans in, in uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Marcus Mumford and Conor McGregor. And so um, I, I get it and I totally understand it. But like looking at the city fans, I just go like, quit playing that like woe is me humble are we attitude because it's bullcrap when it's got to be like it's got to have more power if you live in england or if you live in manchester right because the history for man city doesn't go back very far like you said kyle they've been in lower divisions like man city yeah they're a top six club but realistically the premier league used to be top four there used to be four clubs that were the top clubs and it wasn't really until recently when there's it's expanded to a top six with manchester city being one of those clubs that's kind of expanded that and so um so i i think that sentiment probably is is stronger within england and then particularly within man city within manchester itself where it probably does actually hold more weight if i had to guess but if we're in phoenix arizona who cares and if you're a new fan of the club you look at man city and you say give me or if you're a big a new fan of premier league you look at man city and say give me a break like you guys spend more money than anyone yeah i think everything that chris said is 
100% fair and accurate based on what I can tell. I would just say that it's really savvy marketing by Man City to portray themselves as the little brother as opposed to the evil empire. And, it's true. you know, mark, marketing works. So <laughs> yep. um, they, they've done a good job. Uh, so for, for Golden Boots for culture, moving on to strikers, listen, I really only have to say two words. Kevin De Bruyne, love him. And he alone would have gotten five golden boots. Had He's, not not a striker. He's not a striker. Well, but we all know what I mean here. And <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure. By we... we know what I mean, it changes every week. And it really just means if I like the players of your team. And what I mean by big changes every week because Kevin De Bruyne apparently is only 5'11", but when I look at that guy, he's he's six five and amazing <laughs> and built. Um, he is amazing. I I mean, you I will take nothing away from that guy. He is amazing. So he alone would have gotten five golden boots, but they do have Sergio Aguero on their team, and he literally bit somebody. That's like that's <laughs> like my little bit of soccer knowledge. I know that he bit somebody, and I have to take a golden boot away if you bit somebody. So. Four golden boots for strikers. Did you kit sponsors? Um, hold on, before you go into kit sponsors, did you look historically at anything with them? Like, did you look at the 2012 season, how they won their first title? No, I don't know. Okay, you have to go back and watch. Just you can Google like when did Serge Aguero win the league? Because. Okay. If you want to, if you want to talk about remarkable finishes, I mean, it has to be the best season in Premier League history, because on the final game of the year, Manchester United, like final day of the year, Manchester United and Man City finished tied with the exact wow. same record, and so they were they were both twenty eight five draws, five losses, finished with 89 points. But Man City had 60 plus 64 goal differential. Manchester United had plus 56. But Aguero scores a goal, I think, in stoppage time to give them the win, which gave them the points to then time it. So if if we want to talk about, like, we want to race to the finish, this is the closest, like, wow. buzzer beater winner that can happen. So search it, watch watch the goal. It's insane. Wow. Yeah, that does sound amazing. Um, <clears throat> and, and another thing on that year, Nate, is today is actually the furthest out Manchester United has been in first place since that season. There we go. Wow. Wow. We bring it all full circle here at Football Neophytes Podcast. What we do. Wow. All right. Well, let me wrap this bad boy up with um, a look at their kits and sponsors. Uh, their home kit, that's sky blue. Very nice. Black kit is a black with, I, I would say, I would call it a gold trim. Um, also really nice. So those two are both really strong. Then we get to the third kit, which is 
this 70s hippie pattern and paisley i just can't go there i know nate you don't like that either right or no you do like it chris and i don't like no it. i don't like it or is it you don't like it chris you like it or we all hate it i think i hate it okay we all hate it it is very hateable i would say and so it's it's really bad um so i'll deduct a, a boot there um the only other thing i would note here is they adopted their sky. This was a note I read. They adopted their sky blue home shirts in 1894. And I just thought that that was interesting because when I think of 1894, sky blue is not a color that I think of when I think, I think of like brown and black and gray. I don't think of anybody wearing sky blue in 1894, but <laughs> apparently they did. I, I apparently, I think of 1894 in black and white pictures, but uh, four golden boots there as well, which if you've been paying attention, nice. gives them fours across the board and puts them as the leader in golden boots squarely in the Tim Howard tier just above Liverpool, which really should be no surprise, right? Those two teams right now are, if you're not a Man U fan, pretty likable very talented on very solid footing and i would say man city is very much in the running as far as teams i'm thinking of unless they were to go on and win the league in which they case they'd be ineligible wow i like it i like it man city was high for me um early on i think i grew to dislike them more and more as they kind of dominated the season i watched but um and they became ineligible for me but i could see why you'd like them there's a lot to like about them uh, i wasn't eligible to even choose them because i had missed them before joining um they would have been up there for sure a hundred percent for me as well there's a lot there's a lot to like about them from coach to the players obviously that i think their kits they got a good aesthetic so i think that, yeah can't blame you can't knock you there uh that leads us to american watch a uh, couple things to note um pulisic had just a beautiful through ball to timo Werner. i don't know if you guys saw that <laughs> Werner knocked it wide it kind of the reason they were talking, the reason I saw the highlight is here is they were talking about Werner's like struggles right now. And I'm like, how can you not talk about this majestic through ball from Pulisic? But um, so Pulisic still hasn't been scoring or really getting assists. That probably correlates more with um, Chelsea's inability to, to put good results out there. They obviously won um yesterday i think it was but um chelsea just kind of flirting around with um six seven but um and the other the other american i want to highlight real quick makes this like a double segment combo <laughs> because anthony robinson got a straight red did you guys see it I, I saw it. Did you see it, Kyle? I did not. It, uh, 
<laughs> here's the thing. It's so hard, like being new to football and soccer coming from American sports and loving football. And so like this weekend, you know, you've got playoff football and you're gearing up for like how fun these games are in the NFL. And like, I'm used to seeing hits, you know, and like you're used to seeing guys get run over. And then when it happens on the pitch, it's like a whole different thing. And so like when it happened at first, I was like, Oh, that was sick. And then I realized like, Oh no, you can't do that here. <laughs> like he's going to get a red card for sure and be gone. And he was having a great match up to that point too. He's um, been a bright spot for Fulham this year. I mean, Fulham's been so like down most of the season, but, but really it feels like every time I watch a Fulham match, the one person who's kind of pushing it forward and making something happen has been Anthony Robinson. So I agree. I agree, Chris. Yeah, and it, it's a little sad because uh, United plays Fulham this week on Wednesday, and oh, uh, he, he's going to miss that match. So it's it's like bird in the hand, two in the bush type of situation where it's like I, I wanted to watch him play, but I'm kind of glad he's not out there against us. Yeah, yeah. He basically Kyle. What happened? He just came flying. I mean, he came in flying in so hot, so late, and just straight up and i don't even know who the foul was on but yeah he, up ended. He, oh no it was out uh as Pulaqueta just straight up ended him and flipped him and i don't know how much he was hurt because it was a pretty like it wasn't like his leg was caught in the ground he wasn't hurt at all he wasn't hurt he i think once the ref came over with the red he, he got, got up and walked away it really wasn't that bad <clears throat> It's, it's it. tough to say that. you can't do that yeah. and it looked worse and then you saw the replays like he jumps and robinson comes sliding in and his back legs a little bit high and it just it clips his foot so he flips over yeah and so sense. yeah at the end of the day like it wasn't like a vicious vicious hit it's you just can't do that yeah i want to talk about a couple a couple goals um that were scored and when i and i want to talk about the goal celebrations because the league released uh, a notice saying we do not want players celebrating together they're trying to curtail covid which i just i don't I don't understand it. These guys are bumping into each other like the whole time. Like it's a contact sport. So I guess I, I guess any contact that you can reduce is better than nothing, but I guess I, it just feels like incongruous with like the reality of what's happening on the pitch, but regardless, they've done it. And James Madison scored a goal from the craziest angle, just the sickest angle, like right on the, right on the touchline, like right by the goal and just fired at top of net. I saw him in a post-game interview and he's like, I saw a goal when I was young. And my dad said, my dad told me, he said, the only way you can score a goal from that angle is you have to just pump it into the top of the net. He's like, so that's what I did. But he runs to the corner flag and all of his teammates come running over to him and he's like waving them back. And then he did like, he did like these like high fives and he was like shaking hands mm -hmm. with guys. It was pretty, it was pretty funny, but 
he was he was one of the few people to to take it seriously and i'll get to the second one next but i bring up james madison and we forgot to talk about lester and that's my whole kind of point about lester are they second right now third they lester, are third behind city lester is sitting third they're two points behind united they're a point ahead of Liverpool, and yet they're just forgotten. They're a forgotten club. There's so much firepower around them. It's understandable why they, they could be forgotten, but they're hanging in there. We're halfway through the season almost, and they're that close to the top. So I just think I, I want to keep an eye on them. They're a likable team and we'll, we'll talk about them <clears> at the end of the episode, Kyle, cause I think you're focusing on them next, right? I am. Yeah. The other goal celebration uh, that was social distance. I don't know if he meant it to be, but Miguel Antonio uh, came back from injury, scored, scored a goal um, and did a nice little like snowman on the ground. So I, I appreciated it. I liked it. Um, but then out of all of those goals, I think maybe the one, and even the player to me, who I think has just been like an amazing player this year. And I don't even know if we've talked about him much is Dumbella for Tottenham. Did you guys see his goal? He was like falling away, kicking backwards from the left side of the box and just kind of clipped it up over the keeper and into the, the like right side of the goal. It was, it was beautiful. You guys will have to look that one up. Let's move in. Let's move on to uh, lock it in review. We had a, an interesting week because Chris had one of his matches postponed. So we're going to have to like sit on this. It was in honor of me having COVID, that COVID <laughs> games I chose. That's so good. So we're going to have to sit on this. And I think, I don't know how we're going to rectify it to make sure we all play the same amount of, of matches, but we might have to allow you when this match comes up on replay for you to modify uh, this pick. Cause it's probably not fair for you to have to keep this pick. Um, I'll carry it. I'm okay. Whenever this game gets played, I will stick with my pick of Villa over Palace. I'm fine. I'm cool. All right. When that game gets played, it's going to turn green. I'm going to get right. one in the win column, and we're just going to move on. By the time that game is played, Villa will have – that will be the, the last game they need to make up, and they'll be fighting for first place. <laughs> <laughs> You'll regret that pick. That'll actually that's, – that'll be like the most prophetic, like, uh, reverse curse that you've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, lock it in review. I got back in the win column with a couple wins. I picked Man U over Burnley and City over Crystal Palace to run my record to top a table 12 and 6. Uh, Kyle had City over Brighton, he got that one correct. He picked Liverpool over Man U, but draws don't count as victories here, so he falls a game behind at 11 and 7. And Chris had his aforementioned match postponed, but his second one, he picked West Ham over Burnley to move him to nine and eight above 500. Chris, with that, who are you taking? And this, 
weird week. This is a, what I say, <laughs> nine, nine and eight. This is a weird week. There's like seven matches. There's like makeup matches. It's not really. It's not hodgepodge. Every, week. Not everyone plays. Villa, I think, plays twice. It's it's bizarre. So, yeah, I am in this weird, screwy match week. Um, I am taking from week one. This game was supposed to play in week one. It was not. It was postponed. Um, I am taking Man City over Aston Villa because I'm terrified of City. I just think <laughs> they are rolling like nobody's business, and I'm going to roll with them for as long as I can because I need to catch you boys. Well, Villa hasn't played for like since like November or something, so they should be well-rested, though. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, they all still have COVID in their lungs, so they can't really run, and City's going to roll them. That's true. Kyle, who'd you pick? I am going with the – I would say the obvious pick here, Liverpool over Burnley. Um, I'm going to play it safe this week. I too took Liverpool over Burnley, but this, this match, I would say based on Liverpool's form, this, this match has nil nil written all over it. That's true. Listening to you guys tell me how bad Liverpool has been playing earlier in this podcast. Makes me want to change my pick, but I'm going to stick with it. No, stick with it. This Natalie is going to be so disappointed with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, this match, I think this match will either be nil-nil or six-nil. That's the, like, I see no in between. This is, this <laughs> feels like one of those matches that Liverpool could just break out. But even if they don't, Burnley's not scoring is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. All right. Um, in this short, weird match week, uh, I think there's, there's two interesting matches for us to keep our eye on. Um, I think City Villa is interesting. City's got three matches in hand uh, with the teams in front. Villa does. Villa. Villa has three matches in hand. Um, so they've got ground to make up, but I think Kyle, kind of like you, you alluded to earlier, if they won all three of those, they'd be, I think in second place. And so, um, I like, I like matches that show me who's real and who's not. And so I think this, this will be one that will show us how, if Villa is really good or not, or great, maybe. Yeah. And looking at the table, when I noticed that, I don't think any of us and probably not very many people expect Villa to actually parlay those three matches in hand and be, you know, in second, in, in third, something like that. However, if you're a Villa fan, the other thing that stood out to me is they have a plus 13 goal differential, which is actually fourth best in the league, and they haven't played they played three less matches than most teams and that's pretty impressive. And again, who knows if that can hold up, but if you're a Villa supporter, that that's what you got to be hoping for, hoping that that's a real indicator. City can do a lot of damage to your goal differential though. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Up a five burger on you real quick. And uh, that hurts, but, but then they play Newcastle and then they play Burnley. So it's not like, I mean, six points for, for Villa isn't, isn't out of reach for them. Right. 
And if if they got six points, they'd be in sixth place, which if you're a Villa fan, you've got to be happy if you're sitting in a European League spot. So, um, And then the other one, speaking of who's real and who's not, uh, the other match that I think will be interesting is Leicester versus Chelsea. Um, obviously, Leicester is playing great. Chelsea has not been playing great, but has all the star power to play great. Again, it's kind of, I think, a match that helps us determine who's real and who's not. I think if Leicester wins this, we have to take them more seriously as title contenders. And if Chelsea loses, I think Lampard's got a lot of, he'll put him under more, even more pressure. Yeah, I, um, I look at Leicester and I go, they're a, they're a top squad. I, that's how I look at them. I don't think them playing Chelsea really factors into that because Chelsea's a disaster right now. They beat Fulham one nothing this past week for their first win in a while. And it's against 10 men because our boy Anthony Robinson got booted. So it was a incredibly unimpressive victory by Chelsea. I think Lampard is so lucky to have those three points in his pocket, but I don't know if it saves them because they just look like a mess and all their signings that they did in the off season, all these huge guys, Havertz, Warner, they brought over are playing horribly. And that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's Frankie playing them out of position or what, um, but Chelsea just is a disaster right now. Yeah. Well, Kyle, you're going to get a good view of both squads, right? You're what you're featuring Lester this week. I'm going to be checking out Lester and I'm looking forward to it as a football neophyte. One of the, again, one of the, the handful of facts that I knew about the premier league coming into this was however many years ago it was, Leicester made that big run, right? And shocked the world and won the Premier League. And that was like a really cool story from the outside looking in. And so I'm really interested to get a little bit of a closer look at the the story, you know, the their history and then also their current roster. Yeah, I'll let Chris talk up some of the players in a second, but I think that 15-16 title run obviously made just huge waves before any of us were were soccer fans. We all knew about it. Um, the other the other thing that you'll want to take a look into, and this happened, I remember when it happened. This was in my it was in October of uh the year I started watching Premier League, but their owner, and I don't I don't even want to try and say his last name, but Vikai, whatever his last name is, he, they have a Thai ownership group. Um, him and four others died in a helicopter crash right after a match. The helicopter mm. took off from the stadium and crashed um, in Leicester. Five people died. Um, just super, super tragic. And so it'd be worth spending some time reading about you know, that just reading that story and, and, and hearing about it um, just to understand the full culture. I mean, to me, it like even gives, I think kind of endears me more to them when you kind of see how 
they rallied around him and seemed to really like love him as an owner. So. Wow. Okay. Chris, who are some players that Kyle should be focusing on? Yeah. uh, Obvious ones, Jamie Vardy. He is absolutely awesome. He's lightning in a bottle out on the pitch. Um, I think he won the golden boot last year for most goals in the premier league or he was top two. Yeah. He Uh, won, but he was top. Okay. Um, so he's, he's an obvious guy. Um, James Madison, which Nate talked about his goal earlier. He looks the part, he plays the part. He's really good. Um, Harvey Barnes is hit and miss, but he is a solid player. He was a hit against United scoring a goal against us. Um, and then, uh, Casper Schmeichel is actually, uh, the son of one of the best goalkeepers in United history. Um, so it's kind of, it's always funny to hear his name out there, knowing that a little bit of the history of United, because, uh, Schmeichel was such a prominent goalie for United for so long. His son is in the league, but not with United. He's with Leicester. So, um, and it's just a fun name, Casper Schmeichel. Yeah. I love he's, it. He's a, he's a good, he's a good, good keeper. Another name to look at is Wilfred Ndidi. Um, he's a midfielder. Another fun name. Another fun name. Yeah. Um, another guy to keep your eye on. Um, but yeah, they've got, they've got a lot of likable, a lot of likable players, a likable culture, likable story, storyline. Um, and they're, I don't know, they're just kind of that underdog team that seems to be up is all is always up there with the big boys, or at least has been over the last uh, handful of seasons. For sure. You'll like them. That's my prediction. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Hey, um, my last thought, because I know we're going to be wrapping up soon, and this is totally random out of the blue, but uh, watching football and watching soccer this past weekend as I came out of my COVID coma, um, I didn't realize that Shad Khan owns Fulham. Shad Khan also owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Would you be proud to be like, I'm Shad Khan. I own the Jacksonville Jaguars and Fulham in the English Premier League, uh, knowing that Fulham is probably getting relegated. They're sitting pretty low, but I mean, they're getting a little feisty now. And Jacksonville Jaguars just wrapped up the number one pick as the worst team in the NFL. As a, like, if you were in his spot, would you be proud to be able to say those things? Or would you be like, yeah, I'm a businessman and I focus on business <laughs> because business is good. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I would have been no three weeks ago, I would not be happy. Fulham was really in a bad form, bad run. Jacksonville was gonna get the second pick in the draft. Now I would be stoked to be him because yeah. They have just hired Jacksonville's just hired a very interesting coach. We we don't know if he'll be good at the NFL level and they're going to have Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence is going to have a couple weapons and Jacksonville has good kits. If you want to use that term. And I would be (laughs) Jacksonville is a likable team. If someone were to do a football neophytes podcast in the reverse, 
Jacksonville Jaguars would be an interesting team to to get behind right now. And Fulham's put Portals. a storm together. So they Fulham, I think that was their first loss in I think four or five matches. They have a whole bunch of draws, but yeah, like they're like they haven't been playing horrible. And as you said, it was against Chelsea with ten men. So three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I would answer that question differently than I would today. Yeah, for sure. Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer bailed him out. He gets to talk about them at cocktail parties now, socially distanced cocktail parties. And they definitely bailed him out because otherwise I would be so embarrassed, even if I did own those teams. Um, (laughs) And one random thing from me, if you want some good Jacksonville Jaguars humor, a great TV show to watch is The Good Place. Totally. It's it's a great TV show to watch regardless, but it will also sprinkle in some great Jacksonville humor. And don't get your theology from it, but it is a great, great TV show. Uh, yeah. Because of, because of that TV show, Drexler was on the Jags for uh, flag football a couple seasons ago. And I talked him into getting Bortles on the back of his jersey. That's child abuse. <laughs> um, it's so good. I, I can't speak of the good place because it puts me into a, a very bad mental position because of some stuff that I worked on at Comic-Con a few years ago. Oh, that's right. So I will steer away from that. Um, I think... I would be embarrassed, but at the same time, like my dream is to own a franchise. And so like, how cool is it that you own two franchises that are in two of the biggest uh, sports leagues in the world? Um, So I think it's cool, but if Fulham gets relegated and Urban Meyer is a disaster and Trevor Lawrence breaks his leg in training camp, sorry, Shad, that's not so good. But now it makes sense on why Jacksonville's played so many games in London over the last few years, huh? Mm. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of, they they are kind of adopted as London's team almost. And that's some of the reason that there's the the storyline out there that they want to move to London. So, again, we're a full circle podcast here, bringing it <laughs> full circle. Well, With I'm out of stuff. That's that's my last thought that I thought of this week. Well, there we go. We got a light week this week other than the FA Cup. So get some midweek matches in Premier League, then watch a little FA Cup. Watch Wolves play Chorley and see what their pitch and their stadium looks like. I'm excited for that. It's going to be cool. All right, Jen. The beauty of the FA Cup. There we go. All right, guys. Have a good one. You too. Bortles.